0: Hello, I'm Dwayne Peters with the Lupus Foundation of America, which is the founder and owner of the open access journal, Lupus Science and Medicine, published by BMJ. In this program, we will be speaking with Diane Apisopilopoulos, Consultant Rheumatologist at Monash Health, and Eric Morand, Head of the School of Clinical Sciences and Director of Rheumatology at Monash Health, and founder of the Monash Lupus Clinic in Melbourne, Australia. We will discuss their article, Associations of Metabolic Syndrome in SLE, that is available online at lupus.bmj.com. Let's begin our conversation by providing a background on metabolic syndrome. What is it? What are the criteria for diagnosing it? And what is its impact on people living with lupus? Metabolic syndrome is a chronic
1: pro-inflammatory and pro-thrombotic state that is associated with an increased risk of atherosclerosis, cardiovascular events and type 2 diabetes. While the pathophysiology of metabolic syndrome is complex and remains incompletely understood, a state of chronic low-grade inflammation occurs as a result of visceral adiposity through the release of pro-inflammatory cytokines by the adipocytes. The pro-inflammatory cytokines include resistant, tumor necrosis factor, interleukin-1, interleukin-6, amongst others. The imbalance between the pro-inflammatory and the anti-inflammatory cytokines by the adipocytes in the setting of metabolic syndrome leads to an overall increase in inflammation, endothelial dysfunction and oxidative stress and thereby results in a net increase in the development of atherosclerosis, cardiovascular events, and mortality. Metabolic syndrome is recognized to have greater significance than is simply a cluster of risk factors in the prediction of cardiovascular disease. Metabolic syndrome is important as it identifies patients at increased risk of cardiovascular disease and diabetes, with some studies finding that metabolic syndrome conveys a two to three times greater risk of diabetes and cardiovascular disease. A person is diagnosed as having metabolic syndrome when they have at least three of five metabolic and atherosclerotic risk factors. These include abdominal obesity, arterial hypertension, hypertriglyceridemia, low high density lipoproteins or HDL and insulin resistance. It is well known that lupus patients are found to have accelerated atherosclerotic coronary disease with young women aged 35 to 44 years, over 50 times more likely to have a myocardial infarction compared with their age-matched healthy peers. Patients with lupus have a higher prevalence of traditional cardiovascular risk factors, including arterial hypertension and type 2 diabetes. Even after adjustment of the traditional Framingham risk factors, the risk of cardiovascular events in lupus patients remains elevated. This suggests that other factors, such as systemic inflammation due to disease activity, antiphospholipid antibodies and the effects of medications are likely to be also involved. Several groups have reported that the prevalence of metabolic syndrome in patients with SLE is higher compared with the general population. The presence of metabolic syndrome may be important to diagnose in patients with SLE as a potential contributor to the higher risk of accelerated atherosclerosis and cardiovascular disease found in our patients. This study aimed to describe the prevalence and the clinical associations of metabolic syndrome, including with glucocorticoid use in a well-characterized lupus cohort.
0: Professor Moran, what were your motivations for studying the associations of metabolic syndrome in lupus?
2: These issues have been very well established in other chronic diseases as associated with poor outcomes, especially cardiovascular. And it's relatively recent that they've been studied in lupus. They're often thought of as being problems mostly of older adults, and lupus affects mostly younger people. But we know lupus is associated with accelerated cardiovascular disease. And so the lens has turned to focus on metabolic syndrome in lupus patients rather late in the the annals of medical research. But while overdue, it's becoming clear that it's important. In lupus, we know that traditional risk factors such as cholesterol and obesity do contribute just the same as they do in any other person, but they seem to be amplified by the presence of chronic inflammation, something we also know from other inflammatory diseases like rheumatoid arthritis. So understanding the lupus-specific contribution requires to first understand better the non-lupus-specific contribution. And that's where studying metabolic syndrome can help to identify the components that are due to non-lupus characteristics.
0: Let's next discuss the Monash Lupus cohort that was used for this study, and also the criteria you used to select the subjects included in your analysis of metabolic syndrome in lupus.
1: The lupus, Monash Lupus cohort, was first established in 2007, and all patients that fulfill criteria for SLE, either the 1997 ACR criteria, or the 2012 SLIC criteria eligible for inclusion in the database. For this study, the data collection took place during the routine ambulatory care of each patient in clinic using a standardised protocol between 2007 until the end of 2015. Of the total of the 271 patients that were enrolled in the Monash cohort, 116 had complete data sets whereby data was collected on all components of the metabolic syndrome. So baseline characteristics of the entire cohort of the 271 patients were found to be very similar to that of the 116 patients in the study. This was in regards to age, gender, ethnicity, baseline disease activity, and baseline organ damage. The hundred and sixteen patients in this study were found to have a longer period of observation and correspondingly had greater number of clinic visits and cumulative prednisolone use. The second part of the study focused on the relationship between the adipocytokines and metabolic syndrome. We have a large biobank serum available to us. We found that a subset of the 59 of the 116 patients with complete metabolic syndrome data sets were available for the analysis in this paper.
0: So what did you learn from your analysis? What findings did you find most interesting? And did any of them surprise you?
1: So there were many findings of interest in this study. And as mentioned, some were unexpected and have led to the development of further research questions. So the main finding was that metabolic syndrome was found to be common with a prevalence of 29%. And this was in line with the reported prevalence described in a recent meta-analysis of metabolic syndrome in lupus of 26%. And this is significantly higher than is reported in non-lupus age-matched groups. 80% of our patients were identified as having at least one component of the metabolic syndrome, thus highlighting the significant burden of comorbidities in lupus. The most frequent components were hypertension, found in 59% of the cohort, and low HDL, which was found in 51%. Interestingly, the prevalence of obesity was low at 16%, and using data from the Australian Bureau of Statistics, the comparative prevalence of obesity of a similar age and sex was found to be 33%, indicating that BMI of patients with SLE is lower than that found in the general community. We investigated to see if high lupus disease activity or organ damage contributed to the lower BMI and no association was found. We also reported that the BMI of patients with SLE exposed to steroids was lower than in patients not exposed to steroids with a BMI of 23 versus a BMI of 27 in the overweight range. We found that glucocorticoid use was not associated with metabolic syndrome in this cohort, nor was its use associated with the presence of any of its five components. We know that from previous studies, that glucocorticoid use has been found to indirectly contribute to the risk of atherosclerosis and accelerate atherosclerosis in lupus. This result was unexpected, and may be partly explained by the predominantly young female cohort and by the low median dose of glucocorticoids used in this cohort, which was found to be 3.7 milligrams of prednisolone per day. Additionally, and unexpectedly, we found no association with antimalarial use and metabolic syndrome. Antimalarials have been found to exhibit favourable effects of glucose and lipid metabolism and hydroxychloroquine has been found to be associated with lower prevalence of metabolic syndrome in lupus. However, our analysis found no such significant association, positive or negative. Whether this is in part influenced by our cohort having a large percent of patients on hydroxychloroquine therapy, with 95% of our patients exposed to Plaquenil over the study period. The impact of adipocytokines on metabolic syndrome in SLE is an emerging area of research and so far has yielded mixed results. Resistant, as mentioned earlier, is a pro-inflammatory cytokine and may contribute in the development of metabolic syndrome. Resistant in lupus is not very well studied. And in our study, we found a negative association of resistant and the presence of metabolic syndrome, which was not expected. Whether, again, this is an effect of the characteristics of our lupus cohort is less certain, um, with differences in obesity and ethnicities compared to previous studies.
0: You present some very interesting findings, which also pose some questions for additional research. What do you see as the future of this line of investigation?
1: So there were a lot of results there that were of interest to us, and I suppose the one that we've chosen to focus on next is the low prevalence of obesity and that obesity was not associated with glucocorticoid use. That was the one finding that really stood out to us and we wanted to investigate that a little bit further. So as we said, we unexpectedly found that BMI of patients with lupus exposed to glucocorticoids was lower than in patients not exposed to glucocorticoids. So to investigate this further, we are completing a study to assess the body composition of our lupus patients by way of DEXA scanning, and to determine how components such as fat mass or muscle mass may be influenced by glucocorticoids. So we are able to do this by assessing body components using information gained from DEXA scans, which are the scans that we use to assess for osteoporosis. And they are able to give us measurements of fat mass, lean muscle mass, and bone mineral content. Interestingly, there was a recent population-based study on weight gain in glucocorticoids that was published this year in Oxford Rheumatology, and they found that weight gain of more than 10% from baseline was observed in 10% of patients on glucocorticoids, and the risk of weight gain when glucocorticoids were prescribed for a systemic inflammatory condition, including lupus, was lower than those prescribed for asthma or for chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. This is really interesting and may indicate that inflammation may modulate the actions of glucocorticoids. So that's what we're choosing to focus on next.
0: All of your findings are extremely interesting and certainly add to the body of knowledge about metabolic syndrome in SLE. What conclusions are you most excited about?
1: We are increasingly becoming aware of the increased prevalence of metabolic syndrome in our lupus patients compared to the general community. And perhaps as mentioned, this may be the missing link that may explain the accelerated atherosclerosis and increased cardiovascular events that we see in our lupus patients. We found that the components of metabolic syndrome we're very frequent, as I mentioned, at least 80% of patients had at least one component of the metabolic syndrome that was present during the study. And this is interesting because these are all potentially modifiable. And by monitoring and for their presence and managing appropriately, so managing patients' weight, blood pressure, cholesterol, treatment for diabetes, we may be able to decrease some of the morbidity found in our
2: lupus patients.
0: Professor Moran, how might these findings be used in clinical practice to help people with lupus improve their health and quality of life?
2: These are areas where patients themselves can be empowered to make a difference. With their physicians and healthcare providers and families, you know, lifestyle choices can make a difference to health. And we like to practice in an evidence-based way, even though one might think such instructions would be obvious, it's better to have evidence to inform those decisions.
0: That's very important information. Are there any final thoughts either of you would like to share?
1: This is a huge impact on our lupus patients and highly prevalent as well. So no doubt this is contributing to their health. And as mentioned, these are modifiable and manageable. And we should be aiming for our lupus patients to have really high quality of life.
0: Well, this has been a very interesting discussion. And I want to thank you for speaking with us about your article, Associations of Metabolic Syndrome in SLE. It's published online in the open access journal Lupus Science and Medicine and is available for free online at lupus.bmj.com. Our guests have been Diane Apisopalopoulos, consultant rheumatologist at Monash Health, and Eric Morand, head of the School of Clinical Sciences and director of rheumatology at Monash Health and founder of the Monash Lupus Clinic in Melbourne, Australia. For Lupus Science and Medicine and BMJ, I'm Dwayne Peters with the Lupus Foundation of America. Thank you for listening.